Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Here in the early morning hours of Monday, like many of you, I've uh, wanted to go to sleep since about 6.50 p.m., but uh, I found a late second wind. I watched our game again. Of course, I was there uh, on press row. I had a chance to kind of watch the game. My DVR malfunctioned on me, which I've got to figure that out, uh, over the weekend. So I watched uh, the replay. Had a chance to take a few notes. We're going to talk about a few things. And uh, here's the first thing that I'm going to tell you. There are no ugly wins. And right now, people are like, Steve, you're wrong. No, there are no ugly wins, especially in the Southeastern Conference. We did not play well, though. There were times we played really well, and there were times we didn't. We're going to get into both. We're going to kind of tell it how it is. Good, bad, or indifferent. This is not going to be a funeral or a pity party. I'm not going to sit here and spin it and tell you everything is okay because neither of those things are correct. One of the things I'll share with you, too, is uh, there is a vocal minority out there that uh, no matter what happens at Mississippi State, it's not good enough regardless of how things go. I'm going to encourage you to not listen to those people. There are some other people out there that will tell you that everything is peachy and perfect no matter what happens at Mississippi State. Even when we do something wrong, they're going to sit here and tell you everything's great. Don't listen to those people either. It's much like everything else in life. The people at polar extremes are not the people to listen to. They are the least objective. I try to be the voice of reason. I'm not always successful in that quest. But the reality of it is Mississippi State wins the game. We're 6-3, and three, bowl eligible. I don't think that is something to celebrate, and I don't mean that <clears throat> perhaps in the negative connotation that maybe it's interpreted to be. There were many times in our history we would have given anything to be in a bowl game. I, I, I hearken back to 2007. We had not been to a bowl game since 2000. We'd gotten a little bit spoiled. You know, we had the winning season in 97. Didn't get to go to a bowl game, which was uh, ridiculous. 98, Cotton Bowl, 99, Peach Bowl, 2000, a Snow Bowl. And we got screwed in that deal, too. Should have been in the Outback Bowl. But we still had that historic victory in the Independence Bowl. And uh, we remember it more because of the novelty of the game and the thrilling nature of the finish. But it wasn't a prestigious bowl game by any stretch of imagination. State got screwed in that deal. SEC office still owes us for that. I don't care what they think they've done since then. you got to make that up to us. And then we didn't go to a bowl game until 2007. And we set the Liberty Bowl record because we were just so happy to support our team. That's one of the things that I will give our fans a lot of credit for. When we feel like we truly have something to cheer for, we do turn out. We do. Now, all that said... A couple things I'm going to say might make some people angry. I'm prepared to live with it. I'm going to challenge some people here right now, today. We had a good crowd, not a great crowd. I understand that the uh, the weather played a factor, and, and not just in the attendance. It played a factor in the quality of play for both teams, especially the quarterbacks. 
more so for Robbie uh, than it did for Will. But Will's a better quarterback. I think everybody knew that, even coming in. But one of the things that I have noticed, and uh, I had to talk to the illustrious hind dog here a couple times today, kind of reviewed yesterday's events, not just our game, but around the SEC. I, I've joked with him before. I should bring him on the show for a segment. We have some very scintillating conversation when it comes to SEC athletics and certainly about Mississippi State. And a lot of times that I'll talk to uh, the hind dog, and he'll mention something that kind of I begin to think, you know what? Why didn't I think of this? Maybe he should have his own show. But I read with great interest everything that's posted on Gene's page and on Twitter and social media. I don't read other Mississippi State message boards. I don't read a lot of SEC team message boards unless it's a team that we're about to play or there is news that is of interest. Of course, if Ole Miss loses, I'll go read their message boards. If a coach gets fired, I go read the message boards at other places. I like to know what's going on. I like to know, hey, what are the insiders saying, you know, about the potential candidates for a job or if there's controversy. I like to kind of keep up. That's one good thing about message boards is there are a lot of times that things leak out. There's a lot of times that people, things that people may know but maybe can't prove. And so they begin to kind of share some of the rumors. I enjoy reading those things. We got some of that over Gene's page, too. But one of the things that um, I have read, again, and it's been kind of, a, at many point, kind of a talking point for a while, too, is like, and let me qualify this by saying this. I am not one of those people that believe everybody at Mississippi State is working to their maximum capacity. All right? I'm just going to lay it out there for you. I'm not going to say that I dislike anybody, because I don't. I like most people. Well, maybe that's not correct. I don't dislike Many people. That's probably the, more, the better way to put it. Uh, but uh, all that said, <clears throat> I've read some comments from people. It's like, hey, we have not done a good job marketing the sale of tickets to Mississippi State football games. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. Uh, the question that I would ask you is, do you need an invitation do you really need somebody to tweet across your timeline that we're playing a football game this Saturday? Are you that removed from what's happening with Mississippi State sports that you're unaware of when and where we play? I'm not saying we shouldn't have a marketing campaign to get out there and sell season tickets. But I submit that most of the people listening to my voice right now are the truest of the true maroon. Do you need somebody to call you? And say, hey, we need you to come to the game. Do you need somebody to say, hey, listen, I know you bought a, you know, bought a cowbell for Christmas here last year. We'd love for you to come to Mississippi State and watch a football game. Do we really need that? Let that sink in for a second. And if you're the truest of the true maroon, do you need Charlie Winfield to call you and ask you to gather the Bulldog Initiative? which last week was great. I want to commend everybody involved with all that. We had the $5 challenge. I've already paid my 200 bucks. And my fee, of course, was 395 I threw in that extra five tip, a tip, you know. You're aware of it. We've talked about it on my show. My friends uh, Brian and Robbie talk about it on their show. You know, there's been this great marketing campaign, and now that the university can officially partner with the initiative, 
if you went to the game, you saw some ads throughout the game about the Bulldog Initiative. So this is a couple points that uh, Hind Dog brought up. It's like, do we really need all these things? Do we really need people to be reminded that you, you should come to the football game? Do people need to be reminded that uh, this NIL thing is real? And one of the points I'd like to make about all that is this, is a, a lot of the people, not, not all, a lot of the people that I notice that are uh, kind of anti-Mike Leach are also anti-NIL. Not all. There are some people that are very much members of NIL that are not fans of Mike Leach. Okay, so let's, let's make sure we – don't, don't be tweeting at me saying, Steve, you said this. But let me ask you this. So, you know, again, Mike Leach not on the hot seat. You tank the end of this season, and the next year's, you know, a dicey proposition, to say the least, even though I think the schedule's a lot more favorable. So if you go fire Mike Leach, how are you going to attract the next coach? You say, well, Steve, we're in the SEC. We got, you know, good facilities, a lot better than we've ever had. We got a great fan base. Well, wait a minute. I agree with that. But when's the last time that we had a sellout? We're going to have one this week when Georgia comes to town, but that's because they're the number one team in the country and they're bringing a bunch of fans. So, yeah, Coach, we can get you near capacity crowds. Oh, well, what's my NIL war chest look like? Well, we didn't call enough people and ask them to give. You know, so maybe we got $3 million. Oh, well, the other job that I'm considering – they're getting capacity crowds, and their NIL war chest is $10 million. Let that sink in for a second. What jobs are you going to take? So we all have a part to play in this, and I know they'll be, oh, Steve's blaming the fans. Guys, we all have some responsibility and accountability to this. We do. We always talk about, we, I want Mike Leach to take accountability. I don't care what he says in a press conference. On Monday or post-game, he's not going to give us an injury report. I don't need Mike Leach to get up there and give me some mea culpa and say, hey, it's all my fault. What does that change? Well, I don't like the way Mike Leach does post-game. Don't watch it. Do you, do you hear yourself? I don't like what he has to say in post-game. Then don't watch it. Don't read it. it. Bothers you that bad. What does it change? It's like we want somebody to give a magic phrase or something that's going to change things. And I, I go back to the Joe Moorhead. The every, every Monday press conference in the Joe Moorhead era, every Monday press conference, he said, we're going to point the thumb rather than the finger. This is about us. We've got to take responsibility. What did that change? You know, Dan Mullen never really won the press conference either. Won a lot of football games here, though. And so I share that with you, again, really as a challenge more than a criticism, is rather than say, hey, well, they're not marketing hard enough. So do you need one more tweet? Do you need one more email to get you to come to the game and stay at the game? Well, you know, the NIL thing is somebody else's responsibility. Okay, remember that. Remember that down the road when we have to hire a football coach. Remember that. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show. I love Bulldog Burger Company. My youngest son, Ian, now works there. A couple of you went into Bulldog Burger this weekend and met him. 
And uh, our buddy Blair said, hey, aren't you Steve's son? And uh, Ian looked at him like, uh, yeah. Kind of like, why are you asking? They had a good time with it. Listen, Bulldog Burger Company is great. I'm, I was a fan long time before they were a sponsor of this show. Very proud to partner with them. Part of a great family of restaurants that have served this area for so many years. Love Bulldog Burger Company. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Start Vegas with that fabulous new patio area. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Richland Flowood area. Go by, have the spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you better looking and everybody around you better looking. Have that great restaurant quality hamburger. Perhaps if you don't want to eat that heavy, maybe the BLT salad is for you. I like it grilled. You may like it fried. I get it with ranch dressing. I'm from South Mississippi. That's what we do. And get that chocolate shake to go. I am a big proponent of the dessert to go. I think everybody should be a part of that. And that's the thing, too. You need that palate cleanser. I'm, I'm just one of those kind of people. No matter what I eat, when I eat, or how long I eat, or how much I eat, or how full I am, I got to have a palate cleanser. Might be a mint, might be a dessert, might be a chocolate shake. Let the fine folks at Bulldog Burger Company take care of you, whether you're looking for a night out with friends or a night out with family. They can take care of you in every aspect. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. Let's talk about this ball game. And again, I reiterate, we won the game. You wouldn't know it because I'll be honest with you. If you watched my pregame, postgame video with Dave Murray, I was not in the best of humors following that ball game. Because in many ways, and I hate to say this because I don't agree with it now, but in many ways it felt like a loss, right? Even though we won the game and we're happy to win the game, and I think everybody should be happy with the win. I don't think anybody should be satisfied with the way we played, especially in the second half. We're going to talk about the good and the bad, the positive and the negative, and we're going to address them both, and we're going to name it, claim it, let it go, and get ready for Georgia. The rest of this week is going to be about Georgia. But the biggest issue that I think I have when I think about last night or Saturday night, whatever day it is now, is a lot of the problems we had against Memphis and a lot of the problems we had against Arizona still persist. Still got special teams problems. And we still have these periods of malaise where we just kind of forget the fundamental elements of football. That's concerning to me. We just got to go play the game, right? Let's just go play the game. And sometimes we struggle to simply play the game. And, again, that's coaching, all right? I'll just say it for what it is. That's coaching or players that aren't willing to take coaching, and both of those are negative. And either way, you got to fix them. All right, so we, we win the toss. Excuse me, Auburn wins the toss, and they like to defer, which is what I would always prefer to do unless it's a driving rainstorm or when or it's going to be you know, some act of God in the game. So we get a great return to open it up there, and we talked about that on the show last week, that I felt like Tulu had a chance to make an impact on special teams because Anders Carlson has not done a good job getting the ball into the end zone on the kickoff. Didn't know how often Auburn would kick off, and they did more than we expected, but Tulu gets us off to a good start here, a 35-yard return out to the State 38. Will Rogers is then complete to Ra-Ra for 12. We go right back to Ra-Ra for nine. It's already second one at the Auburn 41. That's what good special teams play will get you, right? And we, listen, we are outstanding, leading the SEC in kickoff returns. So Tulu, a guy that was snubbed 
by the lazy SEC media in the pregame, in, excuse me, in the preseason and robbed of an all-SEC honor is making a difference. Uh, Jaquavius Marks, this is a check at the line play. Will gives it to, to Woody, and we get 11 yards there. First and 10, the Auburn 30. It's a, an, a great, accurate pass, and Jaden Wiley makes a great catch here to get it inside the red zone at the Auburn 13. Incomplete to Justin Robinson. Ball placement was off there. It was. He was open. It's a back shoulder throw. We threw the ball well in, well inside and short. Will then uh, goes on a quarterback design play here, runs for three, Brings up a third and seven. Ball placement off here, too. You've got Ra-Ra at the front pylon. we got to throw it up there. you got to throw it up or you got to throw it to the outside where Ra-Ra is the only guy that can get it. We lead the ball inside. J.D. Ryan breaks it up. Biscardi is good from 28 yards. It is a 3 nothing ball game. 64-yard kickoff. We don't get it in the end zone ourselves, and Ben Raven was a real weapon with that earlier. And Jarquez Hunter, the Neshoba Central product, returns it 28 yards out to the 29-yard line. Jaden Cromedy back in the lineup. We, we kind of been forecasting that for a little while. Very first offensive play for Auburn is Jaden Cromedy with the tackle as Tank Bigsby runs three yards off the left side. Bigsby back up the middle, and it's a two-yard loss. Randy Charlton knifes in there on a twist and uh, beats his guy on the inside and blows the play up there. And you knew Auburn was going to run the football a lot. You knew they would come out there and try to establish the running game. State did a really good job early on kind of denying them the opportunity to do that. Robbie Ashford then gets out, and, and it's incomplete to Tank Bigsby on the screen here. But some of that, too, is about State getting a little pressure in the face there. And that's kind of the nature of the screen. But State disrupted a little bit. And, again, Robbie Ashford, not a very accurate passer. And, and this, is, this is the thing, too, if you're Auburn. This has got to be really frustrating. You should be able to complete that screen pass whenever you want to. Oscar Chapman in punts of 45 yards, and Tulu Griffin – Played in place of Xavier Thomas, who did not dress. We'll hope to get more information on that this week. But, of course, things are usually very tight-lipped. We muff it, and Tulu gets right back on it. We've had three different punt returners this year. All three of them have muffed punts. Not going to belabor the point, but that's got to change. All right, State takes over at their own 22. Uh, We're complete to Dylan Johnson for just three yards. I thought Auburn did a great job of taking the check down away from us. Now, some of that, they had rush ends that kind of got out there in the flats. Other times, it was linebackers. They, they, they really kind of negated our checkdown game, and I thought that was a real factor later in the game. We just simply could not get anything going when it came to the checkdown. Well, they overplayed their hand a little bit here, and we hit Tulu basically on a seam, and it's 57 yards. I'd like to see him house that, uh, as we all would, but a uh, huge chunk play there. 57 yards into the Auburn red zone. We're complete to Rai then for five, and then we hit Caleb Ducking for the touchdown, which uh, sets a new school record. And we're doing the duck. Extra point is good. It's 10-0 state. At this point, you're all thinking, you know what? This is going to be a cakewalk. I was too. We had some evidence to support that line of thinking on Auburn's next drive as they go three and out. Ashford runs right for one, back to right for one, and he's incomplete to Tank Bigsby. And then it's a 51-yard punt. Tulu gets a fair catch there. And so, again, the first two drives for Auburn, we're doing a really good job against that running game. Not letting Bigsby get going, keeping Ashford kind of hemmed up there, doing a good job. And I really thought later in the ball game, we really missed Emmanuel Forbes in run support. As skinny as he is, the guy's fearless. And I thought at times 
we missed him out there as a guy to kind of set the edge. Really did. Uh, Emmanuel Forbes could be back this next weekend. Could. Could be back. I can't say right now for certain that he will be back, but he could be back this next weekend. Had an injury. Not expected to be season-ending. Got some reports early on that it may be, but I'm told he, he could be back this week against Georgia. I know that he wants to play. It's just going to depend on how he kind of reacts to, uh, to treatment this week. But um, didn't play, and I thought we missed him. Everybody thinks about, you know, pick sixes and things like that, and he is one of the best defensive backs in the country, one of the greatest defensive backs in Mississippi State history. But I think his play against the run, especially on the edge, uh, is, is really separates him from a lot of defensive backs. But, uh, again, State with the ball and the lead here, 7.56 to go in the first quarter. Will Rodgers uh, complete to Woody here for six. Auburn's also flagged for offsides. We take the penalty rather than the play. Makes it a first and five. We give it to Woody for a one-yard gain. Second four will complete to Wildy for a five-yard gain. Get, moves the chains, first and ten from the 33. We hit Austin Williams for nine, which sets up a very manageable second one here. Usually on second and short, I like to see us stretch the field a little bit here. You know, work the intermediate passing game, maybe take a shot because you feel like you can always come back and get a yard on third down. And if we don't, we'll go for it. But second one here, we, we hit it to Caleb Ducking for the first down, and then they're flagged again for offsides. So again, we take the, take the penalty rather than the play. First and 10 from our 47, we hit Wiley again, and we're just kind of – we're running some tempo here too. And that's one of the things too. When this offense gets rolling, and it felt like we got away from this, in that first quarter we ran a lot of tempo. We, we played fast. And I don't just mean just run up to the line and play in soccer. We didn't give them a lot of time to substitute. Our second one, we're complete to Woody. No gain here on the play. And, again, that's the check down. Derek Hall out there flaring out there in the flat to make the tackle. They played a lot of those guys at 7-tech, too. So it wasn't like a traditional, like, four-down front. Those guys are standing up on the edge. They're able to get out there in the flats and make plays. We're going to see a lot more there. We're going to see a lot less drop eight because we've proven if you run that, we'll carve you up. You're going to see a lot more pressure, a lot more of this taking the short passing game away from us and hoping they can match up outside. You're going to see a lot of that the rest of the year. Just go ahead and get ready. All right, so third and one. We give it to Woody, and it is a one-yard loss here. They blow it up, fourth and two. We act like we're going to go, end up taking a timeout, and we punt. One of the best punts of the ballgame for Mississippi State. It ends up being a 40-yard punt, and it's down at the Auburn Five. Archer, a great job here. A great job here. We had some issues punting later in this situation. Great job. And I think Archer has been probably the better of the two punters when it's come to downing that ball. You know, he lays it up there with a little backspin, and our guys are able to get under it. So, good job here. Sets Auburn back well inside the, the uh, shadows of their own goalpost. Uh, first and ten, they run the middle with Jarquez. Hunter for three. Go back to Hunter for four. Makes it third and three. And then Hunter runs off right side for the first down. First and ten, Ashford then runs left for four. And it's a false start on them, which backs them up again. Now it's second and eleven. Complete to Coy Moore, the first completion of the ballgame of note. Just four yards out to the Auburn 20. And then the quarter ends with Ashford running for six. Makes it a fourth and one. And uh, this should have been a really big sequence in the ballgame. Quarter runs out. They have time to talk about it. I thought Cadillac and those guys would say, you know what? Hey, we're still in the ballgame. 
let's not give them the ball on our side of the field. But instead, they said to go for it. They and Everybody's pinched in deep, expecting Tank Bigsby to get the ball. They try to run basically a little jet sweep action here. Give it to Javaris Johnson. Sean Preston, not fooled, beats a tight end to the spot to set the edge. Basically, just kind of grabs Johnson as he comes by and slings him down. Huge play in the ballgame early. And State makes him pay. Exactly what good teams should do. We're incomplete to DJ. And, again, they're in his face a little bit here for Will. And, again, this, again the, the check down game simply wasn't there. we got to find a way to, uh, to counteract that. We give it to DJ, who runs for three yards up the middle. Happy to have him back. Made a little bit of a contribution for him. He's not quite 100%. We hopefully he'll be there this week. Auburn calls timeout. Third and seven. We lay it up there, and Ra-Ra goes and gets it. You get man coverage, and how many times have we seen that? We'll flood right and then go basically isolate Ra-Ra left. You throw the fade with his ball skills more times than not. You expect him to come down with it. He does. The extra point is good. It is now 17th to nothing. We're beginning to celebrate in Stark Vegas. All right, again, Bulldog defense is a good job here. And you think, you know what? This game is going to get out of hand. Can we get to 50, right? That's what we're thinking. I'm thinking, you know, you take that, Auburn, come and try to punk us and take our AD, we'll embarrass you on the football field. Robbie Ashford throws short to Coy Moore for two yards. They run Bigsby up the middle for a one-yard gain and then get flagged for holding on top of it. Now it's second and 18. Incomplete to Shedder Jackson. Third and 18, Robbie Ashford runs at the middle for 14, and that became an issue later. Much bigger. Wasn't as big a deal here, became a bigger deal later. Another punt, so basically a three and out again, kind of working around the holding penalty. So State right here, a chance to really kind of put their foot on Auburn's throat, but the Auburn defense says, not, not yet. We run it a pass across the middle. We run that just a little shovel pass. It was not blocked up well, and Woody is dumped as soon as he gets it. Not Woody's fault. Uh, probably in that situation there, maybe Will needs to improvise a little bit, but uh, Cole Smith didn't hold a block there, and they get it. Second and 10, uh, Jeffrey Embe, a guy that we recruited, ends up going to Auburn. He beats Nick Jones on the outside, uh, knocks the ball loose. It's a fumble. They get on it. Now all of a sudden it's at – First and goal at the Bulldog 8. So your Bulldog defense given a short end of the field for the first time tonight. First and 8, first and goal, and uh, they run take, tank off the left-hand side, and Sherman Tim for the nice play there kind of cleaned up with Bookie Watson as well. Now it's uh, first, second goal from the 10. Robbie Ashford then runs up the middle for three, and then they call the personal foul on Jeremiah Wright. Now Jeremiah Wright was a problem a couple times. Jeremiah Wright is not a nasty player. He is a dirty player. This is the crackback block that was called with targeting. I don't know that it was a crackback block, to be quite honest with you, especially in the box like that. I did think it was targeting, and maybe I'm incorrect there, but we talk about having forcible contact at a head or neck injury. You absolutely have that. You've got a defenseless player there. You've got a guy that's engaged with another offensive lineman, and as he begins to free himself, he gets hit from the blind side in the head. He goes down, right then celebrates and dances over Jaden Crumity. Your Bulldog players, to their credit, took offense. There should have been a, an additional flag for unsportsmanlike conduct on Jeremiah Wright for how he behaved. They review the call, pick up a targeting foul, but the crackback block is still assessed. 
So you go from first and goal from the eight after this is assessed. Now it's second and goal from the 25. You're going backwards. Complete the Camden Brown for five, and then Robbie Ashford runs for 15. I mean, it basically was nothing there. He runs for 15. And, again, that became a bit of a problem for us on third down. This guy's scrambling. I'll talk more about that later. Then there is a delay of the game penalty. They don't go for it and uh, end up kicking a field goal. Uh, Anders Carlson is good from 27. Anders Carlson now the second leading scorer in Auburn history. How about that? So it looks like, okay, we're going to climb back in the game. And then Tulu says, nah, not today. And that's projected and predicted on this show. Tulu Griffin, impactful yet again, takes it 92 yards to the house. The first thing I look for is a penalty flag. Didn't see one. Then we can kind of breathe a sigh of relief. Extra point is good. Makes it a uh, 17-3 ball game. I guess it was 10 nothing. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was 17 nothing. And then, you know, these notes are incorrect. So it's 24-3 after that. I thought I was correct. The, the, the box score is incorrect. All right, 24-3. Auburn takes over again at their 25. Nice kickoff from Ben Rabin to get the touchback there. So Robbie Ashford complete to Coy Moore for 17 yards. One of the biggest passing plays of the night for Auburn. First and 10th, the Auburn 42. Tank Bigsby gets loose for, loose for 38 yards here. Tyree runs him down there. And uh, that, that, that's a play that's not a highlight for Mississippi State. It is a highlight for Ty Wheat and will go down on his uh, NFL draft videos to see a guy that size pursuing the ball 40 yards down the field and then making the tackle. That's a big-time big, big play there. All right, we get Worsham for a one-yard loss, and it makes second 11. They flag us for P.I. here. Um, I reject that on principle. Number, number one, I thought I didn't think there was a lot of contact. The back judge, 40 yards away, throws the flag. The pass was uncatchable, okay? And that's going to be important later. That There was no chance of John Samuel Schenker catching this pass. Zero chance he could catch it. And I, I'll be honest with you, I think one could make the argument that any pass that Robbie Ashford throws could, could be considered uncatchable. Right? Terrible, terrible penalty. It gives them a first down, but the defense doesn't, doesn't break. Gives them a first down at our 16. It's incomplete to Bigsby. Hunter then runs for three, and it's another false start. We thank Auburn for these pre-snap penalties. Made it third and 12, and then Jet Johnson knifes through. Great call from Zach. Good execution by Jet. We show blitz with Buki. On the front side, I love front side pressure, and I love feigning front side pressure because it usually forces the quarterback into a decision-making process earlier. So he's going to read hot, and sometimes he may give it to you. So we show Buki on the front side. He peels off, and then Jet knives through with a sack there. Great execution, great play call. Makes it fourth and 18, and Anders Carlson, again, is good, 24 to 6. And from here, it got kind of boring for a little while. It did. It got a little bit boring here. We had a chance here to really put this game away, be up 31-6. to You'd be up four scores and have a lot of breathing room here at the break. And we blew it. So Rodgers incomplete to Woody here. And same situation, too. It's out there in the flat. It's a normal check down for us. And there's Colby Wooden out there, a D-end out there, rush end out there in the flats. Making some things happen. He actually rushed Will Rogers on the play, and uh, we throw it short and incomplete, but there were Auburn defenders all over the place. They did a great job 
executing against the checkdown game. All right, second 10, we give it to Woody, who runs left off the left side for 12 yards. Now we're out in their midfield. We're complete to, to Woody again. It gets blown up. No gain. Second and 10, we're complete to uh, Justin Robinson for five yards out to midfield. Makes it third and five. And then we hit Austin Williams, removing the change. You're thinking, okay, we'll at least get a field goal here. We'll make some things happen. We try to throw it to Woody. It's newly picked. Colby Wooden everywhere. Second and 10, this is a big play in the ballgame here. Second 10, we throw it to Justin Robinson. They say it's a PBU by DJ James. There was a pass interference penalty flag thrown. I did not think it was P.I., nor did I think that ball was broken up by D.J. James. I think Justin Robinson should have made the catch. If anything, this is a drop. Robinson has to make that catch. If he does, it's a first down deep in Auburn territory. You never know what happens from there, but that's on us. Very next play where Rodgers is sacked, it's a fumble, and it's Colby Wooden again. Auburn has the ball then. A chance to go down there and make some things happen. They don't. Ashford's incomplete. Ashford's incomplete. And Wheat's in his face. Brings up third and ten. And then Ty Wheat comes clean off the right side. Huge sack there. Makes it fourth and 15 from the Auburn 43. They like to punt. It's down at the state 20. Not much going on here. But, again, we, we try to make some things happen here. Uh, no huddle. And uh, we're, we, we check it down to DJ two yards. They were incomplete across the middle to Scooby Ford. Now, this, again, this is a pass we got to catch. You go back and watch it like this. Well, it was a bad throw. It was a little bit low. Guys, SEC receivers make that catch. That ball went through Scooby Ford's hands. Go back and watch it again yourself. I already wanted to watch it three or four times. Yes, it was a low throw. Yes, he had to make an adjustment. But how many times have you seen him make that catch? You got to make that play. So that's back-to-back drives where we have a pass within a reasonable catch radius to a Bulldog wide receiver, we don't make the play. And neither of these drives do we score, right? And I understand we're under a minute here, but you still got to execute. Third and eight, we still convert here. We hit it to Wiley, who gets uh, you know gets 10 yards. We spike it. Then we're incomplete to DJ. Derek Hall in his face. And then we do uh, get it to Scooby Ford, who gets nine yards. And that's in the half. So it's 24 to 6, and the drama was still just beginning to unfold. Auburn receives, and uh, not- Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice, or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovis does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. 
Be sure and check them out. Tacovis believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Nice return here. Again, Ben Rabin not getting in the end zone here. And it makes me wonder, too, maybe Ben's not 100%. Maybe. Hunter returns to 31 yards out to the Auburn 39. So Auburn's already set up in pretty good shape here. Your Bulldog defense said, you know what? That's okay. We, we got this one. Uh, Bigsby runs for two up the middle, and then it's complete to Camden Brown for nine to make it first and ten. Short to Jay Fair, not a good pass. Bigsby then stacked up at the line for no gain. Colin Duncan with a big lick there. I thought they got a favorable spot. I thought Duncan should have had a TFL there. Our third and ten incomplete again. State great defense here. You get off the field. You get the one first down, but uh, even though you're not – gifted with great field position, you get the stop you need. And if you can put together a drive here, you might even put this game away. We're unable to do that, though. We go to Rufus for four and then back to Justin Robinson for five, which makes a third and one. And I don't understand any situations while we run, run these routes short of the sticks. Third and one, we hit Austin Williams for seven. First down, then we go back to Austin Williams for four. Very manageable second six here. We're incomplete to Justin Robinson. And then third and six, we're incomplete to Rara Thomas. The pass a little high to Rara, you got to make that catch, though. You have to make that catch if you're Rara. And again, Will's ball placement a little bit off here, but you got to make the catch. Both Bulldogs could have played better on that play. I think both will tell you that. Will tell you, hey, I, I got I to get that on the money, and Rara's got to tell you, I got to come down with it. I agree with both of them. And then next thing you know, the circus comes to town. We get a good snap back. From Hayes Hammond and George, George Jeropolis, bobbles a snap, gets sacked. It's 11-yard loss, and now all of a sudden Auburn has it at our 16. So all of this, all of the great defensive play to set up a situation here is negated by another special teams miscue. 
Man, I get tired of talking about that. And, of course, Auburn cashes in. Defense did the best they could. They've already held them out of the end zone twice after turnovers. This, this doesn't go down as a technically a turnover, but it is. It's a turnover on downs. 100 and runs at the middle for a one-yard gain. It's false start, backs him up again, makes a second 14. And then Robbie Ashford gets loose. We lose contain out there. I initially thought there was probably a hold on this play after watching it again on, on the replay. I don't think there was. They go for two, and it's uh, no good. Cam Young picks it off. You don't get credit for the pick. It just goes down as a failed PAT. But now it's a 24-12 game. And now you're thinking, okay, just go get any points here, State. Right, get anything here. Get some rhythm going again. We've survived that. We're good. Well, no. First and 10 at our 22. Simeon Price is at returning this one. And uh, we get out to the 22. And we're complete to DJ for three, a negative three. Again, give them credit here. Give them credit. They did a great job negating the running back passing game. Second, 13. And it's a pick. It's just, you know, it's just, it's a comedy of errors here. Tip drill, they pick it off, return it 17 yards in, inside the Bulldog red zone and go right back to work. The good thing is here, the state defense begins to stiffen again. Again. And I've read a lot of this, well, we gave up all these points. God, how many, how many drives did they have to begin inside like our 30 yard? I think it was five inside a 30 to 35 yard line. Three or four of those in the red zone. I mean, how many, I mean, how many times can you expect us to go to the well here? But your defense uh, stands tall here. Ashford runs left for six. Then we sack him. Ty Weed again getting loose there. Big sack. Third and 12. And the kid can't throw the football down the field. He can't see the field. If, it's, if it goes beyond his first read, he's just going to tuck it and go. That's what happens here. He runs for a seven-yard gain, makes it fourth and five. They go for it. Ty Weed in his face, passes incomplete. It's a turnover on downs. And again, you think, okay, we have dodged the bullet again. We've had some problems early on, got a couple field goals. We've overcome this interception. We're okay. But offensively, nothing going on here. Give them some credit, too. It's not just our own lack of execution. Auburn made some plays, too. Sometimes well, it's like we act like we're playing against mannequins. Some of the fans think, oh, well, you know, these are scholarship players, too. The guys on the other side of the line scrimmage, they get free college, too. It's not like the Globetrotters versus the Washington Generals. I know some of you are fans of the Generals. But uh, first and 10 from our 14, and we hit Rufus for 16, move the chains. Incomplete to Rufus, broken up. Again, Colby Wooden, huge ball game for him. Will Rogers in sack for eight. Offensive line, I thought, had the worst game of the year. Third and 18, we're incomplete to Rufus. And again, I, they get a hand in there. We punt. And again, you're thinking, okay, we survived this. We're punting from our 35. Let's, you know, let's try to win some field position here. No. No. We're from our 22, excuse me. We punt out of bounds. Archer punts at 13 yards out of bounds to the 35. Again, you know, again, we, we got to – you got to make plays. I don't care if you're the holder, the punter, the kicker. I don't know what happened to our punters. I don't know if we're putting too much pressure on them. 
But my goodness, man, I can go get a high school kid that can field a snap and avoid a sack and a guy that can punt it more than 13 yards. And listen, punting has not been bad this year as a whole. We've had some issues here as of late. But season-wide, punting has been better. Last couple weeks, not so much. And maybe that goes back three weeks. Maybe we had a couple bad punts against Kentucky. All right, so they take over with 6.40 to go in the quarter. And uh, Tank runs left for eight. Tank runs up the middle to move the chains. First and ten now. They give it to Hunter for no gain. And then uh, Damari Austin, a guy that really high on, they let him kind of carry every once in a while, runs off left side for seven, which sets up a third and three. We lose contain again here, too. Third and three. And how many times do you see it? Third down, Robbie Ashford runs for a big game. I don't know why we didn't adjust. I understand this is a third and three rather than third and long. Why are we not spying the quarterback on third down when we know he can't throw the football? And it wasn't just like an anomaly. The guy's completing like 50% of his passes on the season. So you know if his first read's not there, he's going to tuck it and go. And lo and behold, he runs 18 yards into the end zone. It's a touchdown. Now all of a sudden we've got a ball game and a fight on our hands. They kick the extra point, and then they kick off, and um, we get out to 26. But now it's a 24-19 ball game, and the fun's really just beginning. Very first play, will Rodgers sacks, but they're a call. Woody then runs right for three yards. We're behind the chains, third and 17. We hit it to Rufus, and uh, we get a dozen there. And for a second, I thought we might go for it. Glad we didn't. And then George gets off a 31-yard punt. And uh, we punt this basically from the right hash all the way to the left side of the field. I don't know if you guys know this. We learned this in geometry. The shortest distance between two points is a straight line. Not a diagonal one. And again, punting, punting failed us in this ballgame. I'm not going to keep laboring the point, but in this third quarter, we had three punting opportunities, and we get two punts off for an average of 22 yards per punt. I'm not, I'm not going to beat people up, but again, I could go pull a kid out of the stands and do that. All right, first and 10. Robbie Ashford is uh, incomplete. Jarquez Hunter, no gain here. Defense again, trying to sack it up here, and uh, we get a sack. Jaden Crumbody with the sack there. Good to see he hit the big guy back. So, again, the defense is gifted the short end of the field. And um, I guess that wasn't quite right. That was on the other side of the field. But um, we just didn't get the good, the good punt to pin him back deep enough. But we get a three and out here. Chance for us to maybe change the complexion of this ballgame here. Dylan runs off left side for three. Then we'll complete the Caleb ducking across the middle for 18 yards, and he was very emphatic as he signaled the first down. We needed that in the worst way, without a doubt. I did not like this sequence to close out the third quarter. You may disagree, and that's okay. I thought we should have let the quarter run out. You know, we have the lead. We have a first down. So you got a fresh set of downs. There's no, there's no urgency to run a play here. Because any the next play you run, it's going to keep the clock moving. Let's say you go run on first down to open the fourth quarter. You can start eating the clock up a little bit. But instead, we run the, the tunnel screen to Scooby, 
and they flag Jaden Wiley for holding. And it was. It, it was holding. It was. So now, now all of a sudden, is the clock not running? We're going to have to run another first down play. It's an untimed down. And we're behind the chains. So bad sequence here, all the way around it. I disagreed running that play, and it cost us. Second and 14, we, of course, I skipped the other play because we gained two yards there. But uh, then we're complete. We check it down the DJ. We get a yard. They're all over it, absolutely all over it, taking the check down game away from us. Third and 13, we pick up a false start. Now it's third and 18. And, again, it all goes back to, in, in my estimation, you run that play, you get a holding call, and the next thing you know, you're behind the chains to open the quarter. And now it puts you basically in an obvious passing situation. Then there's the fourth and 18. And uh, we're getting ready to punt, and then they do a uh, try to get us to jump. They get flagged for delay a game. 35-yard punt. 35. First and 10 from the Auburn 30. Tank uh, runs for three up the middle. The back to Tank for three. And it's a third and 10. Third and 10, guys. So what do you think they're going to run here? I don't know. How about the quarterback draw? The kid can't throw the football. He, he can't. He can't throw the football. But instead, we drop everybody in coverage. We can't get home. And then he runs for 14 yards on the quarterback draw. That's first down. Moves chain here. First and 10 from the Auburn 44. They're incomplete. Tank then runs for four. And they flag him for illegal shift. They're bailing us out a little bit here, too. So second and 15, they run Tank again for a one-yard gain. Third and 14, they flag Jeremiah Wright again. I, I, honestly, it's one thing to be physical. It's another thing to be dirty. Jeremiah Wright is a dirty player. The play was clearly over. He pancakes Jed Johnson well after the whistle. They flag it immediately, thank goodness, and he immediately goes over and tells Cadillac that he couldn't hear the whistle. If you can't hear the whistle, you shouldn't be on the field. Makes it third and 29, and then uh, Tank runs for nine. They end up having a punt. And so, again, thanks to some undisciplined play on the behalf of Auburn, we kind of get out of this situation here. Oscar Chapman then punts 46 yards, and uh, Tulu catches it at the 20. We still have the lead. We still have a chance to put this game away, but we do not take advantage of it here. Immediately, Will is sacked for loss of three yards. Behind the chains again. A lot of first down blitzes from Auburn. Second and 13, we check it down to Simeon for five. And on third and eight, uh, we had to check it down the price jump for two. And, you know, they're just, again, they're blowing it up out there. Decent punt this time from George. Not a good one, but a decent punt. Uh, George, 41 yards to Auburn, 35. They return it out to the 40. So good field position for Auburn here is they're trying to take their first lead. And, in fact, they do. Hunter runs off left side for five. Ashford then runs at the middle for four. It's third and one. They run off right side of Jarquez Hunter, who gets 10. First and 10, Bigsby gets loose. Now, I will, I will tell you this. I didn't think the game was poorly officiated. There are a few things here and there. And there were a few things that I thought were holding on live action when I saw it back on TV. I didn't think they were. I thought there was a holding on this Tank Bigsby touchdown runner, 41 yards. And after watching it three or four times, I still contend to you there was holding. 
The tight end releases and gets downfield and grabs Asias Furge and then drives him to the ground. Offensive players cannot tackle in the game of football. This is not how it works. You can't get out there and tackle a guy that's trying to make a tackle. Tackling is for defensive players. First thing you learn. Uh, You may disagree. I thought it was a holding call. And that's not taking anything away from Tank, who was a fabulous player. But I thought there was a holding call on the play. They get down there, they score, and there's a false start on a two-point play. They go for it again. It doesn't work out. And you begin to wonder, like, if maybe if Cadillac wasn't chasing points early in this ballgame, it might be a different outcome. Anders Carlson then uh, kicks off, and Simeon Price returns at 17 yards. And um, there was a play earlier, and uh, I meant to discuss this. It was a short play earlier. I really, I firmly believe that Jarquez Hunter should have been ejected from the ballgame. You say, Steve, for what for? The, the little pop-up kick that Simeon Price filled it on the hop? Hunter led with the head, hit a defenseless player directly in the head. We'll probably get a letter from the league office saying, we're sorry, we're sorry, we're like, like when they can't get like a pin mark out of your dry cleaning. But anyway, Simeon Price stays in the ball game, 17-yard uh, return here out to the, the uh, State 35. So we're down a point here. We, we have done nothing offensively. Matter of fact, I think I shared with you guys earlier. In the third quarter, we ran 20 plays for 40 yards. Much of that came on Caleb Ducking's reception. We did absolutely nothing in that third quarter. All of a sudden, we get a little sense of urgency here. We kind of get going. The short passing game begins to work, but it's not us working the sidelines and the expanses of the field. We're basically kind of going back to that 2020 offense and just running these curl routes out there in the middle as linebackers kind of vacate out of there. So we're complete to Austin Williams for six. We go back to Rara for three, which brings up a third and one. DJ gets uh, the football. Derek Hall blows it up here. I don't know if Will tried to pull it, but he probably should have. But, again, Derek Hall's a freak. Give the guy some credit. So that's fourth and two. We go for it. Not a great throw, but a great catch. And uh, it's amazing, too, there's so many people that refuse to give Austin Williams any credit. I'm not one of those guys. This, is, this was a play. You got to go to your clutch guy. You got to go to Mr. Dependable. We do. The, the ball placement, again, not great. Some of that is the weather. But Austin Williams gets his hands underneath this, secures the catch. It's low and behind him. He makes the catch. I think if he drops that ball, the game probably is over. They review it. The call stands. First and 10 Bulldogs, very next play. We've got Justin Robinson uh, off the right side. Does a good job kind of navigating through some traffic there. Gets a first down. First and 10, we go back to Justin Robinson for 10, who is proving to be a little bit of a weapon for us. And good. First and 10, we're incomplete to Robinson. And then we hit rah-rah. And uh, we go in and score here. And by the, the letter of the law, rah-rah should have been flagged for taunting as he went into the end zone. They didn't flag us for it. You don't like to see it either. He throws up the deuces to the DB as he's getting ready to cross the, the goal line. They have done it so many times before. They have flagged people for that. Rara took a chance there and got away with it. But nevertheless, we score and uh, we go for two and don't get it. But now State has a 30-25 lead with just under four minutes to play. Auburn takes over at 349. Hunter then runs left side for 11. Ashford then runs for uh, one on the right side, incomplete to Coy Moore, brings up third and nine. 
and you think they're going to run a quarterback draw. No, they make the, – the best throw that Robbie Ashford made all night long was Javaris Johnson for 29 yards. It set them up well across midfield in the state 34. Very good play design, good execution. I have been on Robbie Ashford about not being able to throw the football. This time he throws an absolute dime. Great, great effort from him. First and 10, Tank Bigsby runs for a two-yard loss. Then it's incomplete from Robbie Ashford again. Third and 12, we call timeout here with 128 to go. We get the sack, and we think, all right, this is great. They'll be well behind the chains, and it'll be one down to win the game. Instead, they flag us for holding in the secondary. I didn't. I thought the one on Duncan was a little bit ticky-tack. The one on Jackie Matthews was pretty obvious. It was defensive holding. You hate to see it, but when people begin to scramble, you know, those kind of things happen, and you hate it. You know, the net result was not good for State. Now, all of a sudden, it's, uh, it's a first down, and um, – just kind of, they say it's, I don't know if I, if I understand what's happening. They flag us for holding. That should have been a first down. The box score is incorrect. And then Ashford gets loose for 18 yards down to the state eight. And right here, I think we all felt like we were in trouble. One play earlier, we're thinking, all right, this game is probably over. Now we're thinking it's over for a different reason. First and goal, they give it to Hunter, who makes a nice jump cut, breaks the tackle, gets into the end zone with just over a minute left. Um... And then Ashford runs for the two-point conversion. Now it's a 33-30 ball game, and State has under a minute to figure this thing out. Tulu, a decent return here, and then Auburn with some undisciplined football. So we return out to the 35, and there's a face mask on top of it, which gives us the ball at midfield. Now at this point you're thinking, you know what, hey, we got a chance to go win this game, even though we have tried to give it away. Complete to Rufus for nine to the Auburn 41, and there's – Plenty of time to go. We get out of bounds here. Second one, we run the football with Woody for 14 yards. Great game here. And now I'm thinking we're fixing to walk this joker off. We spike the football. Second and 10. We're complete to Tulu. It's for just one. We burned the last time out. I didn't like our selection here. I thought, well, in this situation here, you either got to throw it away or you got to throw it to somebody else. You can't check it down inbounds uh, to Tulu here because you end up having to burn the timeout. We're incomplete to Austin on the other side, and uh, we kicked the field goal. And uh, a lot of people have, uh, have kind of questioned Cadillac Williams' decision to uh, burn the timeouts here. I-, I think that it's probably the smartest play you could make of a coach considering Mississippi State's field goal kicking woes this year. Now, granted, it wouldn't have mattered if he'd missed the first two because there was no play to the timeout. But to mess with the kicker's head, as schizophrenic as our guys have been, it's great coaching. It didn't work out for him because Massimo Biscardi uh, kind of really showed some mental toughness here and kicked that thing through. And, of course, his second attempt kind of skidded off the uh, inside of the upright, left upright. But the second one is good. It seemed like it was shorter than the other two attempts, but the bottom line is it's three points in the box score. The game is now tied, and then this crazy thing happens here. We're trying to squib it, and uh, it hits off Sean Jackson, and uh, Jed Johnson recovers to Sean Page. Got absolutely blown up on that. Earlier in the ballgame, Deshaun Page also got targeted on a special teams play. There's two targeting calls on Auburn that, that weren't called. We have a chance here to win it regulation. Just 26 seconds to go, but uh, – at midfield. So you feel like, you know what, hey, you're really two plays away from being in field goal range. 
Will goes back to pass. The rush is intense. And Will tucks it and goes and runs and gets 15 yards. Might have could have got a little bit more, but safely gets down. We spike the ball again. What are you going to do? Well, we check it down to Woody Marks here. Again, I don't like this decision under the circumstances because we end up having to burn a timeout, right? I just don't like it. Then there's the false start, which backs us up even more, and then we are incomplete to Woody. Probably the best thing that could have happened right there under the circumstances. We bring in Massimo. I don't know why Rabin didn't kick it. I wish I'd have thought to ask that question. Rabin's already hit from, what, 52-53 this year. He's your regular kickoff guy. So I don't know. But Massimo's attempt was online, but well short. And that uh, basically ends regulation. They, they, they said there was one second on the, on the clock and made Auburn go out there and down the football, which is ridiculous. All right, so we get to overtime. About to wrap this bad boy up. <laughs> so Robbie Ashford is an incomplete. I thought defensively, Zach did a great job really, really ratcheting things up here in this overtime. We're in Ashford's face. They were, they were really working a lot of boot game here. Jet Johnson nearly picks it, credited with the PBU. I think Jet's just running to make a play. And, again, Ashford's pass is so off target. I think it surprised Jet. Jarquez Hunter then runs left for four yards, dives over, tries to get something there, really not much there. And then they basically run a little bit of a comeback route here, and Isaiah Furge is squatting on the route. Didn't break it up. They credit him with a breakup. Or maybe, maybe he did. I don't know. But I thought Furge played really well in relief of uh, Emmanuel Forbes. But credit him with the PBU here. And he, and he really squats on the route and then explodes to the receiver. And, again, credit with the PBU. Huge play in the ballgame. Fourth and six, Anders Carlson, one of the best kickers in the country. The thing fades right. Not sure what happened, but we'll take it. At this point, we know that any Bulldog score is going to win the ballgame. Well, Rodgers complete to Rufus for five, which puts us in the red zone. Now it's second and five. And, and I'm going to talk about this play here because I have seen some, some Bulldog, some self-loathing Bulldogs talk at length about this. So I'm, I'm going to give you my – opinion on this I think when I first saw this initially live I agreed with the self-loathing sentiment that this ball was uncatchable so we throw the ball up to Ra Ra JD Ryan obviously interfered it, it it was no question about it like yesterday we're like oh I want much contact guys he never looked for the football and he leans into Ra Ra he's completely beat on the play now, the ball hits just outside of the white, between the white and the little dotted line out there. The way that these officials are taught to call this, especially when it comes to uncatchable, it has got to be obvious. It can't be marginal. If, if any reasonable attempt could be made for the receiver to get a handle on the football, you can't call it uncatchable. It's not like he threw it in the stands. He threw it exactly to rah-rah. It was overthrown. I don't know if Rara comes down with it, but he wasn't given the opportunity because of the fact that he was interfered with. A lot of Auburn people are upset about that. You know what? We'll go back to that holding call you guys got on that Tank Bigsby run, right, that was uncalled. We'll go back to those couple targeting calls that were uncalled. And I'm not going to sit here and feel the least bit guilty about a marginal call going Mississippi State's way considering what we've had to deal with over the years, like the, uh, the nine-and-a-half-yard first down that cost us a football game 
on the plains here. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. So cry me a river. So, no, it was not an uncatchable ball. And the reason that I say that is because I have seen it, and I also have the printed box score in front of me where the officials who were paid to officiate that game called pass interference. And so that sets up first and goal at the five. We give it to Woody. The ball game is over, and State wins. And, again, we're happy we won, but there's no reason to be satisfied or feel satisfied about that ball game. We're going to talk more about that a little bit later in the show. All right, time for today's top ten list brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R. Blair Chandler is a bulldog through and through. Matter of fact, saw Blair on Sunday downtown enjoying uh, some coffee. How about that? It's also his uh, daughter, BB's 16th birthday, and I understand that uh, Blair recently procured her an automobile. So congratulations, BB, and happy birthday. Blair can make your life better, too. Many of you maybe perhaps are uh, overextended. Maybe you're living paycheck to paycheck, but you have some equity in your home that could perhaps enable you to consolidate some debt. That's where Blair can help you. Or perhaps the gift of home ownership has eluded you. Nobody better than Blair Chandler. Top 1% close ratio in the country. Works for Fairway Mortgage. Recently voted number one in customer satisfaction when it comes to mortgage loan origination. Hit Blair up today on his personal cell at 601-500-2344. And if you mention to Blair you heard about him on the barnyard, he'll pay for your appraisal. That's a great value right there. It's about a $500 value. Okay, it was a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction night. Roy suggests we do Lionel Richie. Now, you know my feelings about pop acts going into the Hall of Fame. It's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think it should be rock artist. I have a lot of respect for Lionel Richie, though. I absolutely do. The guy is an incredible songwriter, one of the smoothest voices in the R&B platform, and uh, had a bunch of pop hits, too. Just incredible performer. Uh, And Frank Sinatra said once that Lionel Richie had a bunch of number ones, and he wrote them all. So there's a lot of respect. He is the singer-songwriter's singer-songwriter in many respects. Couple of honorable mentions, Say You, Say Me, and Running with the Night did not make our list. We're actually going to dip into some of the Commodore's catalog on today's list. Uh, number number 10 is a former number one, a great song, Stuck on You. Nice love song there. Number nine, a song that uh, was incredibly popular. It's Three Times a Lady. That's your number nine song. Number eight, Hello. The video for that is a little bit haunting because the young lady is blind. It's almost like Lionel Richie is stalking her. But hello, is it me you're looking for? Number seven, huge hit. It was everywhere. They still play it at some sporting events. It's Dancing on the Ceiling. Another number one, a Commodore song. It's Brick House. Now, what's interesting about this, while Lionel was one of the primary songwriters, he was not the primary singer on this one. Walter Orange actually had the honor, but to exclude that song from the Lionel Richie list of top tens would be irresponsible. Number five, another number one, it's All Night Long, and those bongo drums kind of stand out, don't they? All Night Long, number five. Number four, the first real solo, I guess it's not really considered a solo hit since it was actually a duet, but uh, his post-Commodore hit, a number one, from the soundtrack, from the same name, it's Endless Love. An, an incredible song. It was a wedding song for many people. 
Number three, probably the only time that Lionel went country, it's the great track, Sail On, because you know I'm giving you back your name. So sail on down the line, chick. Number two, a song that was covered by Faith No More and a song that Lionel Richie performed on Sunday evening with Dave Grohl playing the guitar solo. It's the great track, Easy, because I'm easy like Sunday morning. But number one for me, and I remember this like it was yesterday, I think it was around 82 or so, but the song Lady, You Bring Me Up When I'm Down. I remember the Christmas parade, the Alcorn State Marching Band visited my hometown of Columbia, Mississippi, and they played this, and I remembered how excited everybody, including myself, was to hear this song played by the Alcorn State Marching Band. So Lady, your number one song on today's top 10 list. Hope you enjoy this list. Roy will put that out on Spotify later today. Very appreciative of Roy and his contributions to the show. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out and let us know. We'll be happy to do them. It may take us a while, but we will eventually get to all those lists. But Lionel Richie has been on our list for a while, and this seemed to be the right time to do it. So congratulations to all the inductees into the 22 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class. I just wish more of them were rock and roll. Motley Crue, still not in the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Iron Maiden, still not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And uh, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. I guess they'll say, hey, well, you know what? Have your own Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And you know what? Maybe I will. Maybe I will. All right, time for your SEC wrap-up or rewind or recap or whatever you want to call it. Brought to you by the fine folks at Campus Bookmart. I was at Campus Bookmart on Saturday before the game. A lot of you guys came in and got books. Thank you for doing so. A lot of Boneyard listeners already have my books, came by just to say hello, perhaps get pictures, uh, exchange some pleasantries and kind of outlook for the ball game. I appreciate you guys more than you know. You guys know how to make a guy from South Mississippi feel awfully special. Thanks so much for your patronage, too, of Campus Bookmart. When you're in town, go by and see them. The Bully Shop, now completely renovated. The best selection of Mississippi State merchandise in the known universe. If you can't make it to town, let me encourage you. Use the internet. Online shopping is the way to go this time of year. And Campus Bookmart, a Stark Villigan institution, making it easier than ever. CampusBookmart.net. And use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. All right, let's take a look at the SEC. Wild weekend. We knew that it would be good, and I think next weekend will be even better. But uh, a wild weekend in the Southeastern Conference. And uh, Vegas kind of took a bath on some of this, too. The, the lines really didn't go the way many people expected them to go. But looking back, Kentucky... Did not cover, but Kentucky wins at Missouri 21-17. A hard-fought game there, to say the least. And Missouri defensively played much, much better. You know, last year, that was the big thing. They just simply couldn't stop anybody. This year, it's been different. It's a 7-3 ball game at the half, and then Kentucky finally kind of breaks through there in the third quarter and gets a little separation. Missouri makes it a game late by outscoring Kentucky 14-7 there in the fourth quarter. But, uh, again, you know, a great game here. But, uh, you know, it's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And Missouri takes a 17-14 lead late. And then Will Levis comes through with a 22-yard pass to Dane Key with, uh, you know, not much time left, but, you know, two and a half minutes to go. 
Uh, Will Levis, 13 of 19 for 170 yards and three touchdowns. That stat line is not going to impress anybody, but that was a big throw late in that game. Missouri probably feels like they should have won. I won't be surprised if Missouri sneaks in to bowl eligibility. And I have said for some time now, I didn't think they would. They picked up that big win at Columbia. They still have New Mexico State to go. And then what happens with that Arkansas game late? Well, the Razorbacks lost a tough one this weekend, too. We'll get to that a little bit. But uh, one of the wilder games of the early day, Texas A&M and Florida. I picked A&M to win the game. Told you guys, was worried about the flu stuff. That proved to be true. However, at the half, it's a 24-20 lead for Texas A&M. And you're thinking, you know what? They haven't even got I-Chain rolling yet. They'll figure it out. And then A&M didn't score the rest of the ball game. Florida scores 21 unanswered there in the second half to win the game 41-24. to I still don't understand what they're thinking. Devin Achain ends up getting a couple touchdowns in the ballgame, 16 carries for 122 yards. I don't know what has happened, though. It's like they, they kind of get away from that. And then Achain with a uh, short uh, touchdown catch, too. Why is he not getting, you know, 30, 40 touches a game? He's your most explosive player, the only real weapon you have. The game of the day and perhaps the game of the year, Georgia proving again why they're number one, 27-13 winners uh, over Tennessee. And I don't know that the game was truly – the score is indicative of how dominant Georgia truly was. It's a 14-3 lead early, and Tennessee gets the gift of the short field on a turnover, a fumble from Georgia on the very first drive of the game. They take a 3-0 lead, and then Georgia puts up 14. It is a 24-6 game at the break. And it never looked like Tennessee was in the game after that. Georgia tacks on a field goal there in the third. And then uh, Tennessee would really kind of a garbage touchdown late to make it a little more impressive. But uh, it's 27-6 to in this ballgame, really late in the fourth quarter. And, and Tennessee scores. And from there, there just wasn't much you know, to, to really cheer about. Hendon Hooker, 23-33 of 33 for 195 yards, ran 18 times. For just 17 yards. That's the Georgia defense. Not quite as good as last year, but still really, really good. We mentioned Liberty in Arkansas earlier. Wild game here. Went down to the final play of the game. And who knew that Liberty would jump out to a 21-0 lead? I told you guys last week I wouldn't be surprised if Liberty kept it close. I didn't think they would win because I thought Arkansas offensively would be too much for the Liberty defense. But give it to the fighting Hugh Freezes. 21 to nothing, and they give up a field goal just before the half for Arkansas to break up the shutout. Then there is the safety. <laughs> and then they go, they, they get the touchdown pass and go for two to get to within a score. It's 21-13. Late in the game. They drive down, they score. I didn't like the play call here. 21-19, they go for two and basically run quarterback power left. K.J. Jefferson was short. He was ruled short. They reviewed it. The, 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 the play stood. I don't think there's any controversy. I know some Arkansas people are angry. It should have never come down to that, but it did. But K.J. was short. He was 23 of 37 through the air for 284 yards, two touchdowns, and two big picks. And that's really been the mark on him is that, you know, he has not been efficient enough as a passer. A great runner for sure, but um, they just didn't do a whole lot with him. 16 carries for 36 yards. Rocket Sanders held it to 60 yards. Who would have saw that coming? Who would have saw 
Liberty winning a game in Fayetteville with their defense on the field on the final play. So congratulations to the Liberty Flames. 8-1 now, I believe is correct. Alabama at LSU. What a wild game this proved to be. I thought Alabama would prove to uh, rise to the occasion here. We mentioned how important it was for State to get LSU early because we felt like they'd get it going. Well, they certainly have now. Now they're now a week away from clinching the SEC West. Did you see that coming? We talked about it on the show about the possibility. I just didn't think they could beat Alabama. They do which really knocks Alabama out of the playoff, barring something totally crazy and unforeseen. Alabama's going to miss a playoff. This ballgame was so wild, 7-6, to six, Tigers at the break. After three, it's 14-9. to nine. Alabama takes the lead there in the fourth. LSU fights back and then gets it to overtime. Alabama scores, kicks the extra point. LSU scores and then elects to go for two. And Jaden Daniels throws it to a freshman, a kid that was getting ready for uh, for a Christmas break this time last year, to Mason Taylor. They line him up as a tight end. He goes in motion, then, then circles back to the backside of the formation and makes it basically a two-man game there, and LSU wins. And it's an upset. They storm the field. They get, they get fined for it. I'd love to storm the field this weekend in Starkville. I'd be right there with you guys. But LSU wins 32-31 and now control their own destiny in the SEC West. They win this weekend at Arkansas and Alabama beats Ole Miss. This thing is over. And, of course, Auburn-Mississippi State State wins 39-33. South Carolina beats Vanderbilt 38-27. And, you know, that, that has been competitive the last couple of years, and you begin to ask yourself why. South Carolina gets out front early 17-7. It is a 31-14 game at the break, but Vandy would not quit. They scored some in the second half. They outscore uh, South Carolina 13-6, but it never really felt like Vanderbilt was truly in the game. 17-7 after one, and uh, from there, South Carolina kind of put some things away. But um, we didn't talk about the numbers at Mississippi State in our ball game, uh, so let's do that real quickly here. Kind of forgot to do that. Uh, but if we did mention, of course, as you know, State wins 39-33 in overtime. Looking at the numbers, though, and there's a lot that you like and there's a lot that you don't. But as an individual, you know, Robbie Ashford, 7 of 22 passing for 75 yards and 29 of that on that one big fourth down throw. He was sacked four times. So you back that 29 out of there. It's 6 of 21 for, what, 46 yards passing? Some of that is a product of him not being a skilled passer. Some of it is the, the wet football. And some of it's your Bulldog defense kind of getting in his face. Will Rogers, 42 of 59. Ball placement was not elite. There were times that he did miss on some throws. His receivers didn't help him out at times either. I counted three drops in the game. But there were others where Will just missed. But still, 357 yards, three touchdowns, the interception the long of 57 of Tulu, but sacked five times. And, again, I thought the offensive line play was not good. Uh, Woody, good game for Woody, especially on the ground. Seven carries for 45 yards, averaging 6.4 yards per, per carry. DJ just three carries for a negative one yard. He got, that, After he got hemmed up on that play with, uh, <clears throat> with Will, we thought we had a chance to uh, make a play there. We didn't. And then George is hit for the uh, uh, minus 11-yard loss on the sack. And then Will Rogers runs for minus 20, five sacks. 
So that negates really all the positive yardage of your rushing game. You end up with a net of 13 yards. Not good. And Will had that long of 15, which was a big play. Rara, your leading receiver, uh, six for 84 and a pair of touchdowns. Tulu, two for 58. And, of course, one of, the, one of those is for 57. Rufus, five for 46. Jaden Wally, four for 41. Caleb Ducking, two for 31 and the touchdown. Uh, Auburn offensively, Robbie Ashford ran for 108 yards and a lot of that on third down. And, again, I go back to that. Why did we not find a way <clears throat> to keep him contained on third and long, knowing he couldn't throw the football. We want him to throw the football there. It's a good chance he's going to throw it to us. Tank Bigsby, 13 carries for 89 yards, along a 41, includes a touchdown. And then Jarquez Hunter, 12-54. So pretty efficient night for Auburn on the ground. They run for 256 yards, averaging 5.6 yards a carry. They are a run-first team. You expect that. But uh, after State's efforts last weekend against Alabama – you feel like maybe they could do a better job. Uh, Auburn did not have a receiver with more than three catches. Coy Moore with three for 23. And then Javaris Johnson, the one catch for 29 yards that we talked about earlier, but just seven completions in the ballgame. And the running back's not really a part of it. You know, we talked about that kind of preview in uh, the game. But the reality of it is State wins the ball game and uh, does not look good in the process. But you know what? It still goes in the win column. And that's probably the most important thing. That, that's the thing you look at and you kind of feel good about it. It's like, you know what? We could have absolutely blown this game. We didn't. We don't feel cocky. We don't feel that we have been inflated emotionally. We feel like we've survived it. Uh, Derek Hall, Mississippi State fan, Derek Hall from Gulfport, Mississippi, leads the charge with eight tackles for Auburn, three tackles for loss, two sacks, forced fumble, a quarterback hurry, uh, if, if they had won the game, maybe perhaps he's Defensive Player of the Week. Bookie Watson led State with 10 tackles, Colin Duncan with eight, Ty Wheat with six, thought he was everywhere, had a couple sacks and a couple of hurries. Sean Preston, a really good ball game, started in place of uh, Jackie Matthews, who had to sit the first half due to that targeting call. Six tackles for Sean Preston, really good against the run. Jed Johnson with six, including a sack, also had a pass breakup and the fumble recovery. Uh, Decam with five tackles. And so, Asias Furge, again, Asias, I thought, was a real surprise on Saturday. I thought Marcus Banks might get more action. He didn't. But Furge stepped up and had a nice play, credited with two pass breakups and four tackles. And so, we now we get ready to go play Georgia. And uh, this is behind us now. And, and in some ways, you're glad. And I, I think it's one of those things, too, as we talk about with Hind Dog, you know, Maybe in some respects, our, the expectations of our fan base are changing in a good way. Because when's the last time that we beat Auburn and it didn't feel like a big deal? Well, it's not a great Auburn team, right? This is not a great Auburn, uh, you know, coaching staff. I mean, the, the guys have been fired. But give Cadillac Williams and those guys some credit. Very happy that Cadillac Williams is getting this opportunity. Cadillac Williams, one of the better players in the Southeastern Conference and certainly one of the best players to ever wear the Auburn uniform. I think it's a very special thing. They played inspired football for him, and I don't know that we matched their intensity in the second half. We came out and punched them in the mouth, and I think we thought they would lay down, and they didn't. And that is, number one, a criticism of us and our focus on mental toughness, but also, two, a credit to Auburn 
for them not giving up. They dominated the third quarter and really most of the fourth quarter. And then when State's backs were against the wall, we responded. So I will give us credit for that. But the reality of it is we should have never been in that position in the first place. i be honest with you. If we go down and score and make it 31-6, I think we're all laughing and we're all giddy today. But we're not because we didn't. And those are the things, too. Again, the same problems we had against Memphis and Arizona and, in some respects, Arkansas on offense still persist. And we're not going to see a lot of drop eight. I think we've proven that we will absolutely run you out of the ballpark if you run that. But we're going to see a lot more pressure. They're going to force Will to get the ball. They're going to man up outside, and they're going to cut down a short passing game. They're going to make Will get rid of the football. I'm interested to see what Mike Leach and company do to counter that because now everybody's going to kind of mimic that. And some of this goes back to last year, what Alabama did to Mississippi State. And then again this year, even though we had a little more success this year uh, moving the football. But the reality of it is, is this is a mimic league when somebody finds out what works, they continue to, uh, to mimic it from other people. So uh, be mindful of that as you kind of move forward. You're not going to see a lot of people dropping a lot of people in coverage over and over and over again because we have graduated to the point that we can do that. We can attack that drop bait. That was the big discussion in 2020. If this is all it takes to beat it, it's never going to work. So it's a game of innovation. What's Mike Leach and those guys going to do to counter? That will be the discussion as we get into these final three weeks of the season. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by the fine folks at Portico. I told you guys before, if I was moving to Starkville now, I would move to Portico. There would be no question about it. I'd be happy to do that. And maybe you guys would be too. That's what Brooks and the guys are counting on. Maybe it's time that you got a place in Starkville. Maybe it's your second home. Maybe it's your future retirement home. Maybe it's your primary residence. Maybe it's your ballgame weekend retreat. Either way, they've got a plan and an absolute opportunity for you to get what you want out of your new housing decision. Call Brooks today at 601-416-8075. Again, 601-416-8075. Next time you're in town, go by and give yourself a self-guided tour of that neighborhood. Turn off 82 on the 12, like going to campus. The very first right, that's Pat Station Road. Go through the four-way stop, and boom, there you are. Portico, right there on the right-hand side. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bath four-bedroom, four-bath home, and uh, if you act now, you can pick out your lot and have some say in your housing plans, which is absolutely wonderful. A lot of Bulldogs involved with this project. You'll be glad you did. Make Portico your next move. All right, so I want to hit a couple things. Uh, the first thing that I want to say is uh, I, I did I, watching the broadcast, I'm sorry you guys have to watch that so many times. Like, I just didn't think Jordan Rodgers was very good. Like, sometimes it's like we want to be right. We want to validate what we think the call on the field is going to be. It's like we want to defend the officials. We want to defend the replay officials. That Austin Williams catch, I didn't think there was any chance of them overturning that, especially when we saw the replay in the stands. And I think everybody, especially our students, kind of rang their cowbells like, hey, Austin Williams had his hands under it. So you, you just kind of felt confident that we're going to re- re- reverse it. We've seen crazier things happen before. But it's like on the broadcast, they were trying over and over and over again to kind of hedge their bets instead of just calling it for what it was. Oh, from that angle, it looks like the ball hit the ground. Well, the ball can hit the ground if his hands are beneath it. Well, from that angle, it's like a catch. It's like, just make a decision here. It, it drives me batty, and I think Jordan is sometimes awfully unprepared. And, and uh, I know many of you like him, 
but I was not impressed with the broadcast. And I know many people complained about how many times they, the camera was on Cadillac Williams. Listen, I don't mind any of that. It's the first time he's ever coached a game. He's a very beloved player in the Southeastern Conference and certainly a beloved player at Auburn. It was a big deal for him to coach the ball game. I'm just glad we weren't his first win. And I think there's a good chance they get that first win this weekend when Texas A&M comes to town. So I didn't see anything wrong with that. I also want to say, too, that I've, I've heard and read a lot of things about Will Rogers. I, I will not stand for any Will Rogers slander. Can Will play better? Absolutely he can. Will Rogers has already rewritten written the Mississippi State record books. This is a guy that easily could have folded under the pressure on Saturday night. We had had a dreadful quarter and a half in the second half. And now all of a sudden we've given up the lead in a game that we had controlled for much of the game. And Will Rogers and the Bulldog offense kind of willed themselves into the end zone. That pass that he threw to Ra Thomas to hit him in stride right there, that's a big league throw. It is. And your guy Jordan Rogers kind of echoes that sentiment, a guy that played the position. That's one thing I would trust him on is the analysis of a quarterback because he played the position, right? There are not a lot of Bulldog quarterbacks that could have made that throw the way that he did. And, again, it's wet out there, and it's, it's a night that Will's ball placement at times was off. That was a big-time throw right there and ultimately changed the complexion of that ball game. He didn't have the great throw to Austin Williams, and he goes right behind it and makes, throws an absolute dime to Rara Thomas. I, I mentioned the offensive line. I, it was not good. I thought Nick Jones uh, got exposed a little bit because he is a guard playing tackle. Now, here's the thing. We did a good job against Arkansas. We did a good job against A&M. did a good job against Bowling Green. did a decent job against Kentucky. Uh, The thing that I look at is, you know, that LSU defensive front is good. Alabama defensive front is good. The Auburn defensive front, especially as pass rushers, is good. We're going to see a great defensive front against Georgia this week. So the offensive line play has got to be better. Absolutely has to be player. And there was and during the middle of the season, we're like, hey, these guys have been, hey, it's been good. That was the biggest concern on offense the entire fall camp. Dollar bill, still not quite 100%. He, they tried to give it a go. As soon as we put, we put him in the game, he gave up a sack. You know, we got to figure that out. Because if you thought that the Auburn pass rush was relentless, wait until you see Georgia. And I'm sure they feel like, you know, the blood's in the water. They're probably licking their chops waiting to get here. So we've got to do some things this week to get better. Another thing that I want to say about this Georgia game, one of the things that we talk about and uh, talked to several of my friends about it, you guys feel the same way, and I had a discussion at uh, Campus Bookmart on Sunday. People are like, I just hope we can keep it close. I I, I look forward to a time where we, we want to win those games. That we don't just look at it and say, okay, I just want to survive it and nobody get hurt. We're not there right now as a program. And Michael Leach has had some good wins at Mississippi State. But we haven't had that marquee field-rushing win that will kind of define his tenure here at Mississippi State. I don't expect it this week, but I don't know that we help anything. Kind of poor-mouthed among ourselves. Oh, I just hope they don't hurt us. You know, I, I want to get back to a point like we were in 2017 when Alabama came in here 
and you guys turned out and you had cowbells in both hands and you yelled like H-E-L-L and we deserve to win that football game and we expected to win that football game and we should have won that football game, we got to get back to that. We got to upgrade our talent. Coaches got to coach better. And if we need to make some changes on staff, we need to make them. But the reality of it is, is I don't want to feel like an also-ran in this conference. And I know that's kind of been our history. But Dan Mullen and Jackie Sherrill, I think, showed us that, you know what, on any given Saturday with the right game plan and the right mindset, we can go out there and compete and beat just about anybody in the country. You think about that 1996 year with Jackie. Jackie's back's against the wall, and they find a way to beat Alabama. We tore down a goalpost. I think that's the last time we tore down a goalpost. I guess guess maybe we did 98. We won the West, and rightfully so. But none of that happens if we don't beat Alabama in 96 because Jackie's not here anymore. And so I want to get back to that point where we feel like, you know what, hey, we can compete with anybody. Now, we don't play in the games, but I think sometimes we talk about this mentality that our players have, oh, well, we we can't win that game. I think some of that originates with us. And you say, you know, Steve, I'm just calling it as I see it, and I respect that. But I think maybe it's time to expect a little bit more. Uh, let's talk a little bit about um, <clears throat> the running game. I think Woody should have had more opportunities to run the football. And maybe with DJ being a little bit banged up, maybe you didn't. Maybe you didn't do it as much. I don't know. But I have heard, again, and read with great interest, a lot of people making these claims. And, again, listen, I, I, I don't claim to be a football guru by any stretch, but Madden football has ruined some of you. Honestly, it has. It's ruined you. Because like, oh, well, this is, you know, this is what I did. Guys, when it's not magic, it's math. Auburn at times had seven people in the box. Seven. And you got five offensive linemen. And even in a two-back set where you're trying to use a guy as a lead guy, okay, we now we have seven in the box. They have seven. One of ours is the quarterback. So they have a man advantage. we got to block everything up perfect and then have our guy make a guy miss. More times than not in the backfield. Football just doesn't work that way. It's not like we got Cecil Collins back there or Derrick Henry. They can just plow through people. This is not backyard football. And again, the guys on the other side, are got, they get free school too. They're all on scholarship. And so Will Rogers, and there have been times that Will has checked into a, loaded, a running play into a loaded box and it's been a mistake. You got to take what the defense gives you. Now, lately, people have been defensing us differently, so they're giving us different things. We have to figure that out. But going out there and running into a brick wall is not going to win the football game. It's just not. Now, you might occasionally break a tackle and get loose a little bit. But you can't make a living like that. It's like this continues. This is not an opinion. This is the reality of football. And that's one of the things that I think is rather – they're just – we have some people, and I love you all to death, but some of you make my head hurt. And some of the people that probably my head hurt the most don't listen to the show, and maybe they should. But we have to live in reality. We're not going to be able to line up and do that. 
we didn't go out and recruit a bunch of road grading offensive linemen. We went and got guys that you know, are pass setters. And yeah, we run the football some. We do. We run it more, and our production's been better this year than it has at any point in the Mike Leach era. But we're never going to be a balanced offense when it comes to running pass. And I plan to ask Mike Leach on Monday to talk a little bit about play calling because I see so many comments about play calling and we don't even know what the play was. So how do you know? And there's a lot of times Mike will just signal in a formation and then will, and the guys kind of make the adjustment there. And so it's a collaborative effort. But he's like, well, Mike Leach called the wrong play. You don't, even, you don't know what was called or who called it. And so I, I say that to kind of maybe ease some frustration here. I'm going to ask some questions on Monday and try to get you guys some answers for these questions. I want them too, but I want to hear Mike Leach's response and his opinion about things and kind of his way of doing things maybe a second time. I think it's important to understand that. Now listen, I still believe in this staff. I still believe in this team. We are now 6-3 and three with three games to play. At the beginning of the year, we said, hey, you know what? I think a good year for us is 8-4. and four. I think we'll go 8-4. and four. If we upset somebody, we could potentially go 9-3. and three. But let, if we go 8-4 and four and get the egg back and get in a good bowl game, we're going to be satisfied. That is still in front of us. Now, the last topic we're going to talk about here before we get ready to get out of here, a lot of this angst is the fear of the, of the Battle of Golden Egg, right? That's what it's from. It's like a 7-5 and five year after going 7-5 and five last year feels like a disappointment. It means we would have failed to have taken a step forward, even though we have a more difficult schedule. And that's not in any way making an excuse. We should be no worse than an eight-win team this year in the regular season. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to make a caveat there and say count the ball game. No, we should be an 8-4 and four team. Yes, we should have beaten LSU. I don't know that in hindsight I can say we should have beaten Kentucky. I think going into the game, I thought so. I thought Kentucky beat us. I didn't think we beat ourselves. Alabama beat us. And we still outgained them and outrushed them, which is insanity, right? But the game really wasn't competitive. The score was not truly indicative of, um, you know, maybe how the game was played. I mean, they made some big plays when they had to. But we know that we have East Tennessee in our pocket, so that's, that's seven wins. We expect to lose to Georgia. The Ole Miss game's a toss-up. Many of our fans are kind of forecasting, hey, we're going to lose that game. You don't know what shape either team's going to be in by the time we get there. You're just not. We don't know. And so we're going to take it a week at a time, and this is the most difficult week left on our schedule. And so I think most people feel like that we will be 7-4 and four when we roll into Oxford. And the thought of losing three straight egg bowls and having to listen to all that stuff is just too much for people to bear. And so they put these things out there in the vernacular and say, hey, listen, you lose three egg balls, you got to get fired. And, you know, that's just not the reality of the situation this year, you know, and it, it may be next year. But let's let the season play out before we start all this other stuff. Let's just take a deep breath and enjoy the journey. I mean, who knows? You may come out and play really well against George. I'm not expecting it. Again, I don't, I don't expect to win the game. But you know what? I didn't expect us to go down there in 2020 and play George as well as we did, and we should have won the game. If we have one SEC safety in that game, we win the game. Would have been one of the biggest wins in the history of the modern era of this football program. So just hang in here and let's let it play out. Let's not play the Egg Bowl today because we're not playing that until Thanksgiving. 
We're going to play Georgia. Then we're going to play East Tennessee State. And then we'll see what happens. We've taken. There have been times we've taken some teams to Oxford that were expected to get embarrassed. I hearken back to 2016. Of course, everybody was talking about Shea Patterson and how great that team was and how they were just going to run all over us. And we beat them 55 to 20. 2018 become a similar situation, right? A lot of people thought, well, 2018, Ole Miss is a better program. You know, they got A.J. Brown. They got this crazy wide receiver group. They got, uh, what's his name, Tiamo, quarterback, who was a really good college guy. And we go up there and we win the game. It wasn't close. And so let's just put off our anxiety about playing Ole Miss until we play Ole Miss. Ole Miss has got to beat Alabama. They got to play Alabama. I don't expect them to win. Then they got to travel to Arkansas, which I think may be a very desperate Arkansas team. I think there's a chance Arkansas is going to lose another game, right? We're starting to see that swoon. So, you know, that game between Ole Miss and Arkansas could be rather interesting. How do you think Ole Miss feels kind of rolling into that ball game with us, perhaps on a, uh, you know, on a losing streak, right? So let's just kind of see what happens. Let's enjoy the season. We don't get to do this very often. You know, it's like it's nearly over. We, we play the battle for the golden egg one time a year. We live it every day. We play it one time a year. So let's just kind of take a deep breath here, focus on what's in front of us, and see if we can't get better over the course of the next two weeks before we head to Oxford. And, again, we mentioned books earlier. So many people have bought – I've been so amazed at how books have sold here as of late. A lot of people are excited to come out, and uh, a lot of people kind of backfill in their catalogs too. Uh, Stark Villains, I, I have no clue how many books are left. There's, just, there's precious few left, even in the stores. So if you're looking for that, your best bet is going to be to go to dogpiletabook.com, and you can order Stark Villains from there. You get Stark Villains, Alpha Dogs. I know downtown at Book Martin Cafe, they have – Inventory of every book, Alpha Dogs, is the lightest in the inventory. They have four copies left. Uh, so that's going to run out soon, too. And, again, we're not going to have that in print in 2023. Uh, we'll do a short run in 2024. Some other things we can talk about later. But if you're looking for any of my sports books, you can find it at dogpilethebook.com. Of course, Blooms of Oleander, available just about everywhere. I have some copies here, too. Uh, and if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, you can find that at StarkVillains.com. Now's the time to go ahead and start investing in hoodies. As a matter of fact, I recently ordered a Skid Row hoodie that I am looking forward to wearing to a game because I am from the 1900s and I like 80s hard rock. So you could get a Stark Villains hoodie. And I guarantee you there's some people, maybe it's your son, your daughter, your wife, your husband, uh, your grandparents, some, maybe somebody that loves the Boneyard. They may not ask for a Stark Villains hoodie on their Christmas list, but I guarantee you, you surprise them with one, they open that bad boy up under the tree, you're going to light their face up with a beautiful smile. So that's StarkVillains.com. That's it for today. I'm going to sleep for a while and then get up and go to Mike Leach's press conference, and uh, we look forward to seeing you on the boards over jeanspage.com. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.